So we put warning labels on everything, everything, everywhere you go, warning, 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 warning. There's a warning label on everything. And I suppose that some of them are really important. If you're allergic to a food, that warning label is like one of the first things you look for. You get some new product, some new package of food, you're looking for that warning label. It's really important. Other warning labels, I don't know, it feels like we're doing overkill with all these warning labels. I mean, aren't we all still trying to figure out that warning label? Why can't we remove the tag from the bottom of our mattress? I don't, I don't know that one yet. <laughs> warning labels, they're everywhere. Pharmaceutical companies warn us about everything. If you watch a commercial for some prescription drug, it's like warning, warning, warning. This could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. All these side effects that are worse than the condition you're trying to treat to start with. Just warning label, warning label, warning label. I always like this one on those drug commercials when it says, do not take this product if you're allergic to it. Thank you. Like, I don't know, it just seems like overkill. Probably we're all afraid of getting sued, right? So it's just warning label after warning label after warning label. This cold and flu thing is going around, and this week I was looking at a, a, like a box of medicine, and on the side, of it, I was just reading about it, and on the side of it, it had sort of the standard, the standard warning. You know, do not consume alcohol, do not operate a motor vehicle, if you take this product, do not take this product if you're breastfeeding. It was children's Tylenol. Like, okay, I won't let my drunk five-year-old son drive my car or breastfeed while he's taking your medication. <laughs> like overkill, right? So there's a warning label in the Bible. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to experience the kingdom of God, then there's something that you need to know. That warning label is found in John chapter 15. If you have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to follow along, get it out, turn it on. Today we're going to look at the Bible's warning label, this warning label about following Jesus. So here's sort of the scene. Here's what's going on in, in John chapter 15. This is the last few hours before Jesus will be arrested. He's going to be betrayed and arrested. These are the last kind of few hours, and he's spending those hours with his friends. He's just talking to his friends. He's kind of in the middle of, I don't know, a little kind of miniature sermon. These are the last words they're going to hear from their friend before they see him nailed to a cross. These are his final words. And so he's telling them about the kingdom of God. He's telling them about things like love and joy and peace and friendship. He's encouraging them. He says, hey, I'm, I'm going away, but don't worry. It's, it's part of the plan. It's okay. He says, I'm going away, but you guys, you gotta, you gotta keep going. Keep going in love. Keep loving each other. Keep caring for each other. He says, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. And so you can have peace. And it's kind of sad, but it's also really good. He's talking about the kingdom of God and joy and peace and, and goodness and love and friendship. Yet, he doesn't want them to be unaware. There's another side to this, and it doesn't eliminate the joy and the peace and the love. All that's still there, but there's a warning label if you're going to follow Jesus. And so the warning label comes from Jesus right out of his own mouth in John 15, starting in verse 18. Jesus speaking, here's what he says. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world... It would love you as its own, but as it is, you do not belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
Remember when I told you a servant is not greater than his master? So if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours as well. They'll treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But as it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. So John is writing. It's probably 60 years after Jesus said all this. Six years later, he's sitting down and he's writing, he's recording the, all those words, the sweet words that Jesus spoke to his friends that night. But he's also looking back at the time between then and now, and he's looking at what he has seen transpire, the events that have happened, because Jesus says, the world hates you. Jesus says, the world is going to persecute you. And he's talking to a group of guys who are going to feel that hatred. There were 11 of them at the time. John is the last man standing. He's the only one living. In fact, he's the only one who won't be martyred for following Jesus. The Bible doesn't record the deaths of the disciples, but Jewish history records those deaths well. Peter would be crucified, as would his brother Andrew. Thomas would be stabbed, Matthias burned. James was beaten and stoned to death. There's a story that one of the disciples that said was pushed off a hundred foot high wall. Like these guys faced real persecution. Even John, where he's writing, he is so hated for following Jesus that they've sent him out to be alone on this island. He's all by himself. And I know that sounds awesome, just sitting on an island by yourself, just with free time to write. But it wasn't. They hated him. He was banished out to this place. These guys faced real persecution and hatred. How great is it that Jesus warned them and warns us? He goes, hey, I don't want you to think that just because you follow me, life is going to be easy. Joy, yeah, that's available. Peace, yeah, that's available. Friendship and love and goodness, yeah, but it doesn't mean easy. You need to know what's going to happen. Here's the warning label. He says, they're going to hate you. And he's talking to the 11 guys that are right in front of him directly. But John is recording this for us centuries later, that we would read this and we would hear these words. Because Christ's follower, here's the warning label about following Jesus. The world hates you. And in one sense, when you hear that, you're like, what did I do? Why does the world hate me? Like, I didn't do anything. I don't deserve this. John uses this word, this word hate. It's a really strong word. He uses it 11 times in his gospel. And every time he's trying to make this point, every time it's pointing towards something, and, and this is what he's saying. He's saying there is a natural opposition between the kingdom of God and the world, that these two things cannot be friends, the kingdom of God and the world, the time and the space that we occupy, life, everything about it, music, culture, your job, relationships, everything about the world and life, there is going to be part of it that is in conflict with the kingdom 
of God. This hates this. It's one of those warning labels where you look at it and you go, okay, like I'm not happy about it, but at least I know. I think it could explain why life doesn't make sense sometimes. So let's go back to the text for a minute. I think in one sense, as I'm reading passages like this, I'm thinking, okay, well, these guys face like serious persecution, like being burned alive and crucified and, and stabbed, beaten. I mean, that's like serious stuff that probably I'm never going to experience and probably you're not going to experience. We might, certainly there are people in the world right now that are facing that sort of persecution, but on a day-to-day -day basis, we're not facing that. And so I come to passages like this and I kind of, honestly, I kind of think to myself, does this apply to us? Like, is this even for us, this idea? But go back to verse 19, because I think it's going to explain a lot about this idea that the kingdom of God and the world are in conflict. I think this is going to make sense to us. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 19. He said, if you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world. Underline that, circle that, highlight that. You do not belong to the world. He says, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. There's something there that, I don't know, resonates with me. There's something that sort of pings my soul. Because isn't it fair to say that sometimes life, it just doesn't really make sense? Like you could do everything right and still, I don't know, lose your job. You could be like the most honest most loyal, trustworthy employee, and you could still go into work tomorrow and get fired. You could be the most caring, faithful spouse, and your husband or wife could walk out on you. Like, you can do everything right and have everything go wrong. Nicole and I used to talk about this. We, we, my wife and I, when we wanted to start a family, and we couldn't, and it was like, we felt like there's all these people, they don't even want kids, and they're just popping out babies left and right and left and right. There's just babies everywhere. Like, it doesn't make any sense to us. You can do everything right, and everything goes wrong. What's the deal? There's something about life that doesn't make sense. And Jesus says, here it is. You don't belong here. He says, this is it. You don't belong here. This isn't home. And that's not to, to say that the reason you lost your job or the reason that your spouse leaves you or the reason that you can't start a family is because you love Jesus. I'm just saying that there's a conflict between the kingdom of God and this world, this time and space that we occupy, and we are caught in the middle of it. And we are constantly feeling the effects of this conflict. And so what happens is it's, it's like a puzzle. Imagine you have a, a thousand-piece puzzle. And you've put together 999 of the pieces. And it's gone together well. The border was easy. And over here, you've got like a, you've got a big oak tree up here. You've got a kind of a rustic cabin over here. And there's a little stream over here. Even the sky, which is always the hardest part of the puzzle, even the sky went together great. 999 pieces. You pick up the last piece. And you go to put it in. And it doesn't fit. So you turn it a little bit. And it, it still doesn't fit. Okay, one more time. Turn it. And and it doesn't fit. And you look at the piece and you realize this piece, it doesn't even go to this puzzle. 
And I can try and cram it in there. I can try and make it fit. But it's not going to work. Have you ever felt this? Have you ever felt like, like life doesn't make sense and you don't fit in? Like I've felt that a lot of times. I've often wondered, where do I fit in? Have you felt that way? I, I don't fit in anywhere. Maybe you're at work, you're with some friends, colleagues, you go out to lunch. And there's just something about it. Everybody's laughing, everybody's having a good time, but you don't fit in. Maybe it's the gossip. Maybe it's the crude jokes they're telling. You don't know what it is, but it's just like you're going, I don't, I don't fit here. Like something just isn't right. Christ follower, you keep trying to understand why life doesn't work. You keep trying to understand why everything is like pushing uphill. You keep trying to understand why, why you don't fit. You feel like a failure. Here's why. You just don't belong here. Straight from Jesus' mouth, not my words, his words. You don't belong here. You were made for God's kingdom. That's home, and the world hates you for it. Let me give you a couple of verses that I think frame this, kind of paint this picture well. I dropped a whole bunch of scripture in your app this week. You can check that out. Let me give you a couple of verses. Colossians 1 says that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. So if you're a Christ follower, because of Jesus, you have changed zip codes. You've relocated. You've moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to God's kingdom. But that sounds really neat and tidy. The Bible paints more of a picture. Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says that we have this struggle. Life's a struggle. You've felt it. I've felt it. He says we have this struggle. But he says our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. So we've moved into the kingdom of God, but there's still this battle going on. There's this war being waged that we're caught in the middle. And Jesus says, he tells us a little earlier in John who's behind the battle. In John 14, he says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. So in one corner, there is the kingdom of God. In another corner, there is the world. This is led by the prince of the world, Jesus tells us, Satan, the evil one, the, the, the enemy. And he says there's this war going on. And if you're living in the kingdom of God, you've basically declared war against the world. You've made yourself an enemy of the world, and the world hates you. And Jesus is going, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but... I want you to know, I don't want you to be surprised when they persecute you, when life doesn't make sense, when people hate you. Like, I'm sorry for you. It's, it's because of me. Don't you love warning labels? Isn't there a part of you that's like, why didn't he just, just carve this part out? Just keep that to yourself, Jesus. Like, I'd rather not know this is coming. My wife told me the other day, she said that um, I should have annual checkups at the doctor. Actually, what she said to me was, at your age, you're supposed to visit the doctor every year. It's like, thank you for that. I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to know what's wrong. I don't want to know if my cholesterol is high because I don't want to change the way I eat. I like the way I eat. I'd rather put my head in the sand. Ignorance is bliss. And that's how I want to live. Jesus, I don't want to know what's going to happen. Keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear that suffering and persecution and pain are coming. 
I think he's telling us all this because he loves us. Because when suffering and persecution do come, he wants us to be ready. I think he's telling us this because he knows that life's not going to make sense a lot of days. And we're going to try and make sense of it ourselves. And we're going to try and figure it out. And he's going to go, it doesn't work. You're not going to be able to come up with it unless you understand this, that this isn't home and you don't fit here. The world hates you. He wants us to be ready. So now that I've given you all that good news, I mean, is there anything here? Like, is there anything here for us that's hope? Or is this just Jesus, like, in the last few hours of his life, is he just like dropping this truth on them like this, it's just this lead weight on top of them. It feels like party foul, man. We were having a good time. We just had a meal together. We're out for a nice stroll and you do this to us. But I think that, I think there's tons of hope here. I think he is telling us this out of love and hope because he wants us when we experience pain, he wants us to understand it, and he wants us to understand and know what it means to experience kingdom pain. So if you're someone that takes notes, write a few things down here, a few things that Jesus says about this kind of pain. Number one, I would write down that kingdom pain draws us closer to Jesus. Kingdom pain draws me closer to Jesus. If they hate you, it's because they hated me. Remember how they persecuted me? They'll persecute you, he says. Suffering actually unites us to Jesus because Jesus is a suffering servant. He's our suffering Savior. Now, it doesn't mean that we go looking for suffering. Jesus never did that. It also doesn't mean that everything bad that happens to you is because you just love Jesus so much, right? So like you go and to the store and you're like, man, Dunkin' Donuts is out of those cream-filled ones again. I just must love Jesus too much. I'm down here suffering. No. Spilled mustard on my tie, suffering like Jesus again. No. But there's something about suffering that does connect us to Jesus. Because think about the suffering of Christ. Physical suffering, yeah, he was nailed to a cross. Emotional suffering, yeah. I mean, Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, most likely was naked, and people walked by him and spit on him and make fun of him. Like, you think you've experienced shame? That's heavy. That's shame. That's pain. Spiritual pain. Jesus experienced incredible temptation 40 days on end, all alone, tempted by Satan himself with the greatest thing, things that this world has to offer. Our pain, our suffering, our persecution unites us with Jesus. Many of you experience physical pain. You experience physical pain on a daily basis. You're experiencing physical pain right now. And I'm, I'm sorry. That makes me sad for you. It makes me sad that we don't have an answer just to, to fix that. But Jesus suffered physically. And something about physical pain unites us with Christ and his physical pain. Some of you are experiencing emotional, relational pain. I know a woman who every week when she gets home from church, her husband makes fun of her. He mocks her for going to church because she keeps doing this church thing and he thinks it's a joke. That's suffering. That's emotional and relational pain and persecution and suffering. There's a family here that's, that's part of this church family. 
They've been ostracized by their extended family because they serve here too much. They're way too into this Jesus thing. Everybody thinks they're weird. That's suffering. That's pain. But something about suffering unites us with Jesus. And so he goes, hey, I'm sorry they hate you. I'm sorry when they persecute you. It's not you they hate. It's me. And they see me in you. So maybe suffering is not something to run from. There's something to fear. Maybe suffering is actually something that's going to take us closer to Jesus. And maybe you and I won't be crucified or beheaded or burned like the disciples were. But if we are, or whatever persecution and suffering we face, we can be ready for it. We can believe that it unites us to Jesus. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 4. Paul says that He says this, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. It's one of those verses we read, and it's easy to just kind of skip over, and it sounds good. Being hard-pressed, being perplexed, and being persecuted, those are hard things. Don't Don't kid yourself. Those are Those are tough things. But he says we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Listen, he says we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Yes, we join in the suffering of Christ, in his physical suffering, and we join in the death of Christ so that we can also experience the life and the resurrection and the joy and the peace of Christ. And so instead of fearing suffering, instead of running away from it, we can see it as something that draws us closer to him, and we can actually lean into it. Second thing you can write down, kingdom pain is always rewarded. Kingdom pain is always rewarded. I think it's fair to say that in the moment, suffering for Jesus isn't going to be any fun. And I think some of the hardest part of following Jesus and some of the, maybe even the suffering, is just the, the long endurance of it. It's the every day of following Jesus. Listen, getting up and choosing to follow Jesus today and tomorrow, getting up and, li- and choosing to live like Jesus to love the people around you, to be honest at work, to, to, to guard the words that come out of your mouth, to, to control your anger. It's not, like, it's not exciting. That's not sexy. That's not great. It's boring. But it's the every day of following Jesus. If you choose to walk humbly with God, you're going to bounce up against a world that is full of pride. And if you choose to live a life of sexual purity, you're going to bounce up against a world that proclaims and touts sexual freedom If you choose to live a life of generosity, you're going to bounce up against a world that says, build your empire, build it big. It's not fun, suffering for Jesus. Don't glamorize martyrdom. Martyrs die. Don't glamorize suffering and pain. We call it pain because it's painful. But the Bible says that it's not unnoticed, that God sees your suffering. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as you have the opportunity, do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So even in the midst of suffering, he's saying, keep going. 
In the midst of persecution, when you get fired from your job because you won't cut corners that your supervisor wants you to cut, he says, keep going. Now listen, here's the warning label. You're going to be unemployed. It's going to be confusing. But your suffering isn't unnoticed. He says, when, when you have friends that don't want to hang out with you anymore because you won't party with them like you used to. It's going to be lonely. You're going to wonder what you did wrong. You're going to be sitting at home by yourself on a Friday night, but it's not unnoticed. God sees our suffering, and in the right time, the Bible says, it will come with reward. He says, keep going. Final thing is this. Is that kingdom pain points us towards home. So again, go back to the words, go back to the words of Jesus, Christ follower. He has chosen you out of this world. You don't belong here. There's something about pain and persecution that reminds us that this isn't home because life can be great. This world can be awesome. There's so many good things in it. We can become enamored by it. It's easy to fall in love with it, but there's something about pain that shatters the illusion that this is home, and it changes how we look at things, and it reminds us that we are created for the kingdom of God. You were created for the kingdom of God, to live in his presence, to see Jesus face to face. My friends, this ain't it. You're made for more. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That dang flu has been going through our house. My kids have had it, all three of them. It's been awesome. So the other night, one of them says, Dad, I just want to feel better. And I was like, that's, that's life right there. I can't tell you how many days that's, my, that's what's going on inside me. I just want to feel better. Something about when we're sick, it points us towards healing because we know healing is out there. We know there's something better out there. There's something about pain and suffering that changes our, our, our focus. It points us towards heaven. We look for something more. We remember that this isn't home. You're made for something more. You're created for a new version of all of this. A place of, of goodness. A place that makes sense. A place where physical and emotional and spiritual pain, they're not even in the realm of possibility because they don't exist. A place where every day you are becoming more and more of the person that you want to be and that God designed you to be. You're made for a place where those that can barely get out of bed in the morning will run and jump. A place where the abused and the oppressed will have hope, will never feel shame by what's been done to them. A place where relationships will be reconciled brought back together and restored, where families that are broken apart will have incredible reunions, a place where you don't have to worry anymore about how you're going to pay the bills, a place where you'll never be lonely, a place where you don't have to wonder, where do I fit? Because it certainly isn't here. A place full of hope, 
and a place full of goodness. It's what you were made for. Jesus' warning label is that simple. You weren't made for this place. But hold on. But keep going. Because the kingdom of God, in its fullness, it's coming. Pray with me. God, there are people in this room, there are people watching online, people in the chapel that are experiencing incredible pain, physical pain, unbearable pain, back pain, migraines. There are people that are experiencing incredible relational, emotional pain. Distance from a loved one. Painful, coarse words, even today. God, would you use our pain and our suffering to point us towards something greater? Would you use it to remind us that this isn't home? God, it's so easy to fall in love with this world. There's so many good things here. It's easy for us to become fascinated by it, focused on it. But God, there's more. We were made for more. God, we're not looking to suffer. We're not going to go seeking it out. But when persecution and pain come, would you draw us close to you, safely into your arms? We long for a day when all pain, when all suffering is gone, when all death and mourning, our tears are wiped away. God, focus us on our real home. Focus us on your kingdom. God, we pray that well, the longing of our heart, God, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here, now, in this life, on earth, as it is in heaven. We await that day, Jesus, where we see you face to face, knowing that our, our pain and suffering now is, but for a moment, preparing us for eternity, for glory. We love you, Lord. We pray these things through Jesus' name. Amen.